Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, my name is James Baldwin and welcome along to Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast from wherever you're listening all across the world. It's great to have your company. Well, we're back with another recap podcast, our fifth of the year, which means the fifth race of the year, the 70th anniversary Grand Prix back at Silverstone we go. But before that, if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, it would mean the absolute world to us. We have had so many people do that in the last couple of weeks and we are truly, truly grateful. If you want to keep in touch during the week as well, don't forget to wherever you're at in social media, use the hashtag OzF1 and we will engage with you. Thanks to everyone who's reached out during the week as well. We'll do some shout outs a little bit later on. But for now, it's time to get into it. As always, by my friends and yours, of course, the two Thomases, Tommy T and Thomas J. Camp. Boys, it's a big g'day to you. Boys, how are you? Oh, we're good. doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well in the isolation chamber that is Victoria for you people. Uh, you're apart for the first time in a very long time, but that's okay. We'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, Boys, the fifth stu- race of the year. government has uh, put some <laughs> restrictions on us. For those of you around the world, we can't even leave our house after 8 o'clock now. You can only go to work if you've got a permit. Absolutely. They're trying to keep Campy and I apart. It's terrible. Absolutely. If, uh, if, uh, our love will go on Campy. It's okay. <laughs> if you're in America, if ever there was a time Texas, for Campy for help. president, send guns. Now is, now is the time. <laughs> send guns, send weapons. We need help. <laughs> We're under tyranny. <laughs> Uh, is that why you've got the Texas tattoo on your inside lip? Is so that they know that you're friendly. Mate, God, God, guns and freedom in my place. That's what my house is all about. <laughs> anyway, most uh, most of you in the country listening uh, are from Victoria. We can see that from the stats. So it's a big day to you in lockdown as well. The boys know how you feel. But that's uh, look, that's pretty okay news compared to whatever the hell was going on with Nico Hulkenberg and Racing Point trying to pit him towards the very end of the race so Daddy Ugh. could make sure his son gets in front. But we'll come Ugh. to that in a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Racing Point, though, boys, because there's not a lot going around the paddock at the moment except for the fact uh, that Valtteri Bottas has signed up uh, to be the number two driver, which basically means he's signed up for Lewis Hamilton to be champion in 2021. <laughs> so that's good from him. Uh, but apart from from that, Racing Point has been fined 15 points and 400,000 euros. I'm sure if you love F1 or at least you're aware of it, you would have seen this uh, on many different news articles and indeed over the weekend. It was like the only thing that the boys were talking about on camera. Um, but from our point of view, uh, I think uh, well before the Hulkenberg pitting thing. I was pretty much on Racing Point's side through all of this. I'm not sure how I feel anymore because uh, I'm pretty still pissed off about that whole thing. But in terms of what's going on here, uh, Tommy, you uh, saw Otmar really getting fired up uh, when we started hearing his response uh, to these allegations. Yeah, so it was before qualifying and 
uh, Omar was getting interviewed and they were talking about the whole situation and basically was just getting his side of the story. Basically what they're trying to say is that this part was able to be bought the previous year. So they have been able to buy this part off Mercedes. It's been used. And then all of a sudden this year, it must be a part that the team must design and manufacture themselves. So conventional knowledge would assume that they have seen this part, used this part, have the access to this part. Why would they make something that's not exactly the same? Why would they try and redefine something that was working? So it it seems very crazy to this. And then they were talking about how in this day of CAD and all those kind of things that you can prove that these CAD drawings have, have been created from scratch. They're not based off a template from Mercedes and all these kind of things. So he was getting quite fired up and and passionate Mm. about this, trying to prove that they've learnt what they've learnt. They can't unlearn it. Why would they deliberately pick something that was inferior to a product or a part that they can create now? It doesn't make any sense. So very interesting to see that side of it because all we've heard is the complaining from all the other teams, especially Renault, um, about how this is cheating and they've basically copied the homework off Mercedes. Well, I'm a it's bit interesting, like, isn't it? I'm a bit like you, Jim, in the sense that I don't know how I feel about this. On one hand, I think everyone copies everybody at some level or is inspired by an, by an idea. Now, the FIA's ruling on this has been that they haven't breached any technical regulations, but they've beat, breached some sporting regulations which they don't really match up together and there's some inconsistencies in the rules. So the FIA has taken the stance that, yes, you used these parts last year, but it's now something that you have to design. And I ultimately think that Racing Point haven't done any design upgrades or changed anything from the thing that they used last year. And that is why they've taken the tack to say that, well, it's unsporting because you haven't upgraded or tried. You've just said, this is the best product that we had last year, so let's continue to use it without taking into consideration any of the new rules and regulations that have come into existence for this year. So, but I'm a bit like you. It's a bit, I'm a bit up and down about it. Can't make my mind I up. I guess. I guess the biggest thing as well uh, to come out of this whole weekend was the fact that Lawrence Stroll, or Daddy Stroll as Tommy T would uh, <laughs> like to refer to him as, uh, actually came out and did yet again another piece reading auto cue to camera. Dude has to really get better at to camera work. Let's just point that out. It was the same with Aston Martin when he was like, hey, I've taken over Aston Martin. I was like, this is the most awkward 15 minutes I've ever seen on camera. Wow. Um, but he's, he's there and he's pushing hard uh, saying that, all of these accusations of cheatings from rivals uh, are completely unacceptable and they're dragging uh, his name or the team's name through the mud. Uh, and there's teams like uh, McLaren on there uh, and Williams, and we know Williams works really hard and you know, they've you know, really priding themselves, I guess, on, on making all of those parts themselves. And McLaren, yeah, well, you know, they're fair enough. That's a main competitor in that mid-pack. But Renault and Ferrari coming along is like hypocrisy 101. Why the hell would we listen to Cyril? And then where's Wally? He's like, hang on a second, you guys are cheating. I'm sorry. Did you not just cheat last year with your brake bias and the engine fuel flow? Oh, my exactly. God. Just That's what pisses me off is that you've got people here that just are so hypocritical, and especially Ferrari because we really – pissed at them at the moment and Renault's strategy team because they suck a lot just doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah, but, to me but but then you get Zach Brown coming out and saying the same thing those guys are saying now at Aussie everyone we're the biggest Zach Brown fans on the planet so if he's saying the same things then they may have a point I'll just you're right Ferrari in Matteo Bonotto and Cyril Beatable should shut up because 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It you becomes better on your if it's face, not your them. Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Zero credibility. Yeah, there's no, just, that's exactly right. It loses credibility. Uh, although Otmar did say of Zach Brown, he's not an engineer. He has no idea what he's talking about. Anyway, look, they uh, they received those those fines uh, for the first race in Austria, and they received some. Um, reprimands for the following races. They were caught, funnily enough, who would have thought they were called up after the completion of the race yesterday and uh, given, again, a reprimand for this. But this was really confusing as well because whenever, when it was announced, rather, uh, a lot of people were said, right, well, so does it mean that you have to change these parts before, like, in two hours' time when practice one starts? And it wasn't because it's not to do with the technical regs, as you said, Campy, and it's to do with the sporting regs. There's just a lot of confusion, and especially if confusion for the fans and indeed for the teams. It just also highlights how useless the FIA are at doing anything. And useless. I tell you what, Michael Massey, you're on our radar again, buddy, and I'm not sure why you're here, but well, you shouldn't be. The other thing that is clear is Daddy Stroll, Mr. Lawrence Stroll, he should never get in front of a TV ever again. He's been, mate, you should shut up and just pay your bills, all right? You come into F1, big dick swinging around, Big bank account to back it up. You know what, mate? Just pay the bills and shut up. You don't know anything that goes on when it comes to the technical development or anything like that of your car. You just pay the bills. So I'm just telling you, you just keep continuing on with that and leave it alone to the professionals. Love that. Love that indeed. Uh, Of course, we also had uh, some of the support categories coming along uh, for the second race at Silverstone. Um, not really much to report there, except for the fact that uh, Jack Dillon Campy, how did he do this weekend? Uh, I didn't watch all of it. He qualified in seventh for one race, uh, but I'm not too sure what happened to him. I just presume he crashed out and uh, <laughs> <laughs> fell right back. He wasn't even on the timing screen, which means he was below position 20, which means he's not performing as he should. So I'm sure one of the fans will fact check us, but I'm not too sure what happened. But... A bit better, qualified top 10, that's that's a good step up. But, mate, it's still, if you're a Red Bull junior driver, you have to be setting the world on fire. So, anyway. I love that. Uh, well, uh, before we uh, move off of that, just looking at how the uh, the presentation of the broadcast was done this week, uh, it's really interesting to see how much Silverstone has evolved in this being the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Uh, so much has changed. And I, I also specifically love when they were talking in the broadcast about lots of these drivers when they were in these junior categories. So F2, F3, obviously feeding into F1. And we were talking about Daniel Ricciardo, and I didn't realise this, but Daniel Ricciardo and Valtteri Bottas uh, in Formula Renault racing yeah, around, probably with the same crowd side. I love that. I just It's just a nice little bit of... He was still put, sticking it to the boys up the front back then, and uh, he's doing it now. And then Karun Chandok dropped about 17,000 names, but we'll come to that in the uh, broadcast. Of course, uh, let's move on, though, to uh, everyone's second favourite segment of Oz F1. Campy, it's the hot tip. The hot tip. <laughs> The hot tip is Hulk is going to race for more than two teams this year. I think he's going to race for three eventually. 
I think you'll get Jeez. another. I think you'll get another race with Racing Point. If not three, definitely two. Um, I think he'd be the go-to fill-in driver, but he will have a contract to race next year as well. That's my hot yep. tip. Ooh. F1 profit. Yep. And you know what? F1 profit F1 coming profit. to you right oh, no. now. <laughs> it's happening again. Oh, actually, it's happening again. I, I, look, again, Albon's perform- performance this weekend was terrible. Um, I mean, his race pace isn't too bad, but qualifying is so far away from it, it's not funny. Still finished to 45-odd seconds behind Max as well. So I think mm. Hulk is probably the preferred option and the prime option to uh, – to take that seat at some stage during the year. Love that. Love that hot tip, Campy. Well, we'll see what happens because uh, everything else that you've said this year has uh, come somewhat true anyway. Uh, But now for our favourite part of this podcast. It certainly is mine and it certainly is Tommy's. Well, there's not much to say this week. It was actually not bad, but... I think it's going to be a short and sweet one this week. If we don't have dead, it can't be more than a three. So I think we're going to give it a two because we had a lot of Karoon talking crap when we could have had Ted talking excellent, interesting things. Oh. So very sick of the Karoon name dropping. I was, had one, he was oh, shouting yeah. at his wife for a haircut or something in oh, qualifying. He's a dud. <laughs> this guy's he's a muppet. A dud. I saw, I saw some Twitter conversations going on uh, today saying, you know, I think really, you know, Karun is so underrated. He's such a high performer as a pundit, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, he's not giving any advice at all. He's just talking about his career and how he's like re- desperately searching for relevance. He's got relevance yeah. deprivation. That's why he's on Sky. Surely. In our, in our group chat, we were talking about what was happening strategy-wise, all these kind of things. And then about 20 minutes later, Karun decides to pipe and goes, I think Max is going to try and go long here. <laughs> like, you think? Yeah, thanks, champ. Are you watching? Thanks for the obvious. I'll tell you what. Glad we, he was uh, in the pit wall looking at that stuff. I'll tell you really what the helpful. TV director did get right this year. When there was passing, they didn't, they didn't uh, well, they got no crowd, so they didn't put the camera straight on the crowd reaction when the move's sort of yeah. 50% done. <laughs> if you yeah. go back to last year's Silverstone Grand Prix where um, Lewis tried to get around Bottas at Lutfield, they made it out like the job was done. I can still not find any angle <laughs> to see that whole completion of like a one sector of the circuit. Yeah. So at least they got that right this weekend, but it was pretty grim other than that. We know we'll, Ted back. Ted just, <laughs> we'll get to it later. But Ted's a star. We barely saw Danny Rick spin. Like That was very delayed when we did see it, and it was a rubbish angle from far away. Like, yep. There's probably a lot more information we could have got to be fair, attention. To be fair to the cameraman, why would you think that Danny Rick's going to spin? That's, That's why you keep true. the cameras on, on Seb. You're like, right, yeah. he's going to spin eventually. <laughs> and he did, like immediately. Didn't even get through the first corner. Oh, Poor man. bloke, we'll get there. But uh, that's the only defence I'll come to them, and only because it's Danny Rick. Uh, the other yes. thing that we saw this weekend was uh, Brabham documentary. Campy, you've got some insights into what that was all about. Well, if you're an F1 fan, it's worth a watch. But in saying that, um, look, for a documentary about a guy, I still don't know anything more about him than what I did before. It was probably, <laughs> like, literally probably the worst put-together documentary I've ever seen in my wow. life. But there's some good interviews with um, Jackie Stewart and... Um, Love Jackie. And you just got to remember how entwined Jack Brabham is into the history of F1, particularly for Australia, but 
we, you know, we don't we don't realise how big of a name he was back then. Three world championships in cars that um that he designed and built himself under his own name. Had a lot of help, obviously, as well. But he's a superstar, so it was worth a watch if you're an F one fan. But I'll tell you what. The guy gives absolutely nothing away. He's one of those, one of those <laughs> old school post World War Two Australians. You know the stoicism; they show zero emotion. I'm sure they're feeling it, but they just don't talk about it. And uh, publicly, anyway, he never let any of that slip. So I didn't learn anything more about the the man himself. But yeah, there was some good storytelling in it as well. So if you're an F1 fan, worth a watch. But yeah, it's not. It's not gonna. You won't be rewatching it. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Can't be reviewing anything is the best thing you'll hear. That's part of his presidential campaign, I'm sure. All right, boys. Well, let's get into the race itself. Uh, and as we always do, we're going to go through team by team with 100% correct and accurate opinions. Uh, we'll start at the very back as we normally do. Uh, this time, we're going to start with. Uh, Williams, because they were towards the back. Last Can weekend we just, I said it's not where they really were, but this is where they were this time. Can we just skip Williams and Alfa Romeo? Because they didn't really do anything <laughs> all weekend, did they? We need to save some time. <laughs> yeah, oh, The mate. only thing I will say about Williams is that Latifi got hit by Magnussen and... I was like, I'm on K-Mag's side. Almost immediately funny. I was just like, yep, I'm on Kevin's <laughs> side. I don't even care. It's because it's Nicholas Latifi. George Russell Poor again. Like George Russell again performed well, qualifying, got out of Q2. Uh, got, sorry, Q1, got into Q2. Uh, he's out driving that car. And I, I listened to a podcast with him on the whatever the F1 one is, whatever it's called. Uh, look, good kid. Good. good kid. He's not doing anything wrong if he wants that Mercedes seat. I think he's primed yep. to take that at 2022. He's doing absolutely yeah, well, everything right at the moment. There was definitely no surprise, was it, when – George announced that he was staying on as per his contract with Williams uh, for next year that Valtteri signed for Mercedes this week. I think everyone in the paddock is uh, assuming, unless Lewis disappears, is that uh, George is going to take over Valtteri. And that makes sense because Valtteri came from Williams as well. So, in fact, actually, that's a really good feeder for for Mm. them. He must hate being at the back of the pack, though. Like, it just must really suck. Not, though, as much as superstar Kimi Raikkonen must be hating being up at the back of the pack. He and uh, Seb Vettel were having a bit of <laughs> flashbacks to their their Ferrari days, although I think he was a bit confused to see the Ferrari that far back. Uh, he just, I mean, there was some great radio from last week, by the way, where uh, he was told to box and then it was stay out, stay out, stay out, stay out. Box, box. Stout, 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 stout. Yeah, it's so f***ing late now, f***ing sake. Copy, copy. Okay, There's no okay. way that it was a good f***ing thing to come in. Uh, okay, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he just went, boof, shouting, and they're like, oh, it's okay, Kimmy, it's okay. It's like, oh, guys, you're just not making his life any easier or happier. Surely he's going at the end of the year, and I'll tell you what, it's just Surely. deflating to, to think about it, isn't it? It's grim. It's a grim outlook. 
Uh, the other person, of course, uh, who races in Alfa Romeo is Antonio Giovinazzi. All right, let's talk about Haas. Um, <laughs> K-Mag just did not have a good weekend uh, in, well, two weekends in Silverstone, did he? Because he didn't crash oh. out with Alex Albon this time around. But I tell you what, he had a pretty good bloody start. He made up a couple of positions and it just got worse from there. I mean, there was strategy obviously played a big a part of uh, this race this weekend with the softer tyre compounds. But uh, it was odd to see Grosjean really outperforming him in a lot of ways this time around, wasn't it? Grosjean mm. is not a terrible driver. He, those two, look, K-Mags can get him 60% of the time. But the other 40, it shouldn't be unsurprising, but it was good to see uh, Roman bounce back a bit from last weekend and the troubles that he had on track. We didn't hear much from him. He went under the radar, I think, like he probably should have. Yes, very true. And uh, we didn't have Gunter on the uh, pit wall, so there wasn't much of the uh, Crofty asking, so are you going to do every- the opposite to everyone else? And Gunter's going, yeah, that, that's our strategy. <laughs> Thanks again for just asking the same question of me. I don't know how many bloody times. Uh, yeah, the Haas just not really – they're not doing – that badly compared to Williams and Alfa Romeo. I never thought I'd have to compare them with those two specific teams. But really for the back three uh, teams and the back six cars in the grid, uh, it's sad that they're going to be they're, they're down, that they are down there, I should say. Uh, Kevin Magnussen, I think, will find himself in Haas again next year. But as I said last weekend, Grosjean looks like he's on the way out. Alfa yep. Tauri, guys, Pierre Gasly is doing a bloody good job here. Yeah. Yep. He's uh he's having a great year. He's um I don't know. There there was talk over the weekend that he might be putting his hat in for that Red Bull seat again. I don't see it happening to be honest. It's not I think gonna happen. I can't, I can't imagine it happening. There were some mentions. He's just been he's been very consistent. He's been very good at getting the most out of that car. Unfortunately, I think this week getting into Q3 actually stuffed him up because he didn't get to start on the hard tyre. Yep. He had to start on that soft, and that just compromised kind of anyone in the back of that qualifying group in Q3 just suffered straight away because they didn't have choice of tyre. So he he was better than Kvyat all day, but unfortunately that just really compromised his day. Well, and we again, it f- just comes back to how much strategy and tyre strategy played into this race this weekend, Campy. Yeah, look, it was one of, as to, exactly Tommy said, particularly with that like mid-pack teams other than um, the racing point, if you qualified in the top 10, it just ruined your race strategy. Because the midfield is so close this year and pretty spread out, if you look at if you look at the people that got inside the points in that midfield pack, they all qualified outside of the top 10 in Q2. So it's a bit of a shame. Uh, we've got to figure this out somehow, but... I mean, it's just racing sometimes. Mm. These things happen. Yeah, it's almost that psychological thing. If you qualify outside of the top 10, you've got nothing to lose. So you you pit earlier, you try a different strategy. Whereas if you're in the 10 and you've got points basically to lose, you go conservative and you, you try yeah. to hang on to them. It's very interesting, isn't it? But he's been good this year. I can't fault him at all. No. At and all. it's interesting, isn't it? Because spot on. in terms of this whole iteration of AlphaTauri and Red Bull, 
And we find ourselves with Alex Albon not performing as well as he should be in the, the main seat. Pierre Gasly performing really well in uh, Alpha Tauri. And to be honest, Albon will be performing really well in an Alpha Tauri as well. Obviously, that car is just suited more to Pierre and to Alexander Albon. Kvyat, though, if we look at a uh, the hot tip coming true and Hulkenberg ending up in the Red Bull seat, my view is that Kvyat would exit and Albon would be put into that Alpha Tauri. What do you yeah. reckon? I can see it happening. Yeah, I think you're right. If it does happen, in saying that, that would be unlucky for Kvyat as well because he hasn't been that bad this year. No, he's, no, he's not he's... the back like a like a Giovinazzi or something. Like he's he's still performing okay, but just nowhere near as good as Gasly. And Red Bull must but, yeah. look. Red Bull bought him back, and the only reason I yeah. could see they bought him back is because they genuinely believe he's got some good pace. I mean, he got a few podiums with Red Bull in the senior team. He wasn't terrible. He had some off results. In saying that. Um, the other option was is Red Bull had no junior drivers with a super license, so they took Kvyat back because they out of necessity. Now, nothing in yep. F1 is a, necess- is a necessity, but I think, um, unfortunately, if Albon wants to drop back, you've got to drop Kvyat, and I don't think that's fair to him. But I don't think he's getting a uh, – he's not a long-term prospect in F1, uh, which is a shame. No. Yeah, and we said last year, didn't we, that he was always going to be like the marker driver. So he would be the consistency, and then whoever is sitting in the seat next to him would be the one that gets promoted or not, and and they wouldn't be looking at him to do that. Uh, but at least he made it through the race this weekend. We obviously found out that uh, it wasn't his tyre specifically that went. It was the tyre rim was heating up during due to some friction, uh, and it caught him out, even though he was indeed changing some settings on his steering wheel, as we mentioned last week. But uh, anyway, it's it's good to see Gasly doing well. Obviously, is that he didn't finish uh, ahead of Kvyat this weekend, but certainly all round, he is doing a much better job. But let's talk about Racing Point, uh, and I'm... I have to tell you, I was absolutely stoked and super nervous for the start of this race because I wanted Nico Hockenberg to have a podium more than I wanted Daniel Ricciardo to have a podium. And that's saying a lot in my little F1 world. Uh, And he did everything right in qualifying Nico Hockenberg, didn't he? He was just on. Can I admit something too? I actually wanted him to get a podium over Danny Rick as well. You're both it's, the worst. No, I, I love Hulk, it. but <laughs> <laughs> I want a yeah, Shuey. One, one, of, oh, one of us yeah. needs to stand at it. I think it was a great story. He performed so well in qualifying. Uh, Pants Lance Stroll as well. Uh, made life a bit difficult for himself in Q2 on stuffing up his first run. Then came yep. back and showed the pace that he's had all weekend. Now, first Oof. race back, they talked about a lot of the struggles, uh, physically his neck. And you could see throughout qualifying, he's still resting his neck and preparing himself for the race. I think... A, one race in this car will do this guy a hell of a lot of good. We saw the difference between qualifying last week and qualifying this week. Look oh. at the difference between the race this week and next week, and I think we're going to see a driver that is going to make Stroll look like a a boy. Well, he is a boy, and I've said that for a long time. He's <laughs> He doesn't have it. The fact that they pit him at the end disgusts me. It makes oh. me so angry. Now, the just, reason just why they did that, the reason why they pitted him early, apparently, was because oh, there was vibrations. Vibration. 
coming through the car, but no one can find the radio transmission that that happened. So I tweeted oh, at, really? <laughs> at Racing Point going, what the hell, guys? Like, who who pitted him? And then that came out. I'm like, uh, <laughs> interesting that the broad, like the TV director didn't decide to put that audio on the broadcast because he would have known that it would have been very pivotal for the entire world to see why Nico Hulkenberg yeah. had pitted. But funnily enough, saw absolutely they, And nothing. they responded back with an Alex Jones meme. <laughs> yeah. How good is that? Uh, whoever's a social media person for Racing Point, you, you, of course you're listening to this podcast. Uh, you are on point uh, with all of your replies, and I yeah. uh, get very emotionally angry at the team, not you, but you receive all the brunts on Twitter, so sorry about that. It's not uh, a good Tommy, look, call is it? Qualifying for Nico. Three tenths. Like, that is insane for a guy that hasn't been in a car for however long to be three tenths ahead of a guy who was in this car all year through testing. It's basically built around him. His dad owns the team. He has every possible (laughs) advantage. And Nico comes in with half a neck and can still get three tenths ahead. Is insane. Like, that, that, that says a lot about Nico, but it says a lot about how terrible... Lance's really so like that I is think, not good enough. I think you're right. So, I mean, ultimately, Lance Stroll is is going to stay in this car for next year, and because it's Daddy's team. Now, that shouldn't happen for so many reasons. Uh, but obviously, you know, what's the point of buying your son in a Formula One team if you don't then put him in the seat? But what this says to me, and if if out of the um, all of the hearings about the racing point and the legality of the racing point car itself, if it doesn't change going into next year, what this says to me is that this is a car that when you put a tier A driver or a top tier B, which Nico is, you know, is riding on the on on the line because when he was in F two, he was a superstar, Nico Hockenberg, and oh. he's just been super unlucky for all of and we said that last year when he left. But this car, if you put Seb Vettel with a team who is behind him, with a team who care about him, with Otmas uh, as the team principal, which means a competent team principal compared to where he's currently sitting, you will see this car absolutely smashing it for next year. Yeah, you're right, mate. Uh, You're right. It's a shame that they'll keep him. I don't want to see it, but... Seb, where does he go? I think he ultimately ends up at Racing Point, which is a shame for Checo. Um, yeah. But, you know, talk about a segue. This is the second weekend in a row where Seb has been terrible. Yeah, it's not been good. How, like, it's it's, just, everyone is hurting for Seb Vettel right now. Man, that is Ferrari skullduggery shit show number one. Sabotage. Oh. Absolute sabotage. Now, Seb made a mistake when he spun it and went to the back of the grid. I can see that happening. But he was nowhere in his qualifying pace. Nowhere. Like, what did he... I mean, either was... um Oh, there was, what's his name? Uh, Leclerc, either. But then, <laughs> you keep forgetting the name of your whipping boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, look, for Vettel to get out-qualified by both McLarens, both Renaults, and Alexander Albon and his teammate. Oh, it's just a real shame. And he was a fair way off as well. He's, you know, he's three and a half, four tenths off Leclerc in Q2. And uh, Leclerc only only really improved by a tenth in Q3. But that car's got some genuine issues. And I think Ferrari, I mean, strategy, talk about Leclerc's strategy, you know, went on the one stop, propelled him right up the grid. Whereas Vettel's, look, 
can at least try the same thing. I know he's stuck back in position and some things happen to change it, but still his pace was nowhere near what his teammates was. It's disgusting. Nowhere near. And it, oh, can you I hate that I don't team understand. More. <laughs> I don't understand why they pit him for hards for like ten laps and then sent him out on mediums for like twenty seven laps towards the end. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever for that for that pit. So that's why when he comes on the radio and says, Guys, you know, like I can't you've done this to me. You've put me back yeah. here. He's actually standing up for himself now and I think we're seeing a little less good guy Seb and uh gracious Seb as we saw at the beginning of the year and now we're starting to see someone who is not being supported even by his team when he's in the car racing around the track. Like yeah. come on Ferrari. Yeah. Well, he'll and say like some things he... publicly soon. He will he will yeah. definitely have a crack Fingers publicly. Crossed. He signs soon and we can get that as soon as possible. Because as soon as he signs to a new team, that's going to be just open slather. Yep. Yeah. My whipping boy. Whip, whip, whipping boy. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting. We see Charles seemingly have a good oh. weekend, but it's, it's just luck again. And it makes Ferrari look competent when they're clearly not. It's, it's so unfortunate that they just happen to... <sighs> to just outlast. Like I said this to you guys in our group chat. I was like, why couldn't Renault have done the same strategy? Why couldn't Danny Rick, who we know is excellent with tires, why could he not have done the same strategy? Campy was saying all weekend that Danny Rick should have been doing one, a one stop. stop and he thought he was going to do it. We have multiple text messages from Campy saying that. And, yeah. and multiple text out, messages from us saying, no, Campy, you're wrong. How yeah. can you possibly do a one stop? Proof turns wrong. out. Campy should be a strategist because he was bloody hey. right. And goodness me, well, Danny Rick started started four positions above him uh, from the start of the race. If he had outlasted and done a one stop, he probably would have had a podium. He would have been up there if he could have just run his race, not worried about anyone else. Like Leclerc wasn't racing anyone; he was just going around running time trials, basically. Yeah, he was it, in no man's land, and yep. it really frustrates me that he's up there. I'm sorry, yep. like I still, it's, I know he's a whipping boy campy. If I'm allowed to have a whipping boy as well, it's him because it just, the whole thing, the Ferrari thing frustrates me. The fact that he is so far ahead of his teammate in Seb Vettel at being on the track is, it just, everything against uh, Ferrari for me. And you know, you know what'll drive? Get out of it. Get out of the way. You know what'll drive campy the maddest is that he felt this was like a victory. This was his quote. Campy, what do you think about that? Oh, it just pisses, it, it pisses me off so much. I'll give you the hot tip. This kid, draw, like, he rubs me up the wrong way more than anyone on the grid. And in saying that, though, he's outperforming the car. We've had five races this year. He's had two podiums and two fourth-place finishes. Sorry, a fourth, and he's not finished the other two. I mean, when he gets it right, when Ferrari get it right, the car should be better than the midfield, should should be better than the midfield consistently. But it just pains me because I want to, if he's performing that way, I think Seb should be performing the same way because, totally. in my opinion, they're the same calibre of driver. Um, yep. But there's things going on behind that team behind closed doors that we'll never hear about. And that's what's frustrating to me more. I yep. mean, the kid rubs me up the wrong way and he carries on a bit and frustrates me. But tall poppies he drunk. To his credit, he's outperforming the car at the moment. So I know yep. he's my whipping boy, but you've got to 
you got to give the kids some credit where credit is due. That's just wish was corny. No, Stop. I won't. I'm not giving Stop. him any credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't want the kid. No. Yeah. Let's talk about a team that we uh, we do love. uh, At least I love. Um, I mean, I almost bought the McLaren face mask for when uh, New South Wales finally (laughs) goes into having to wear masks, and I couldn't because they all sold out. So that sucks a lot. Uh, But talk about in McLaren, um, Lando Norris just is on another level this year, and in my mind, he's outperforming Carlos Sainz uh, in almost every way. Uh, yeah. and he certainly did this weekend. He uh, out-qualified and then out-finished uh, out him. Carlos finishing in 13th and Lando finishing in 9th. Um, there's something about Lando, isn't there, that he's he's more focused this year. The car, obviously, underneath him is a lot stronger, but he's got so much uh, ambition. Uh, and I know that uh, Martin Brundle's one of the Brundle bingo things, if you would listen to it, is that ambition over adhesion and people go too hard and like Seb <laughs> and potentially Danny Rick where they go, I'm going to put this here and then they end up spinning out. Uh, the only person that really doesn't happen to is Max Verstappen. But Lando is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. There's a lot of people in the world who love him. He's bringing a younger crowd in and certainly more of an online crowd. And that was all like through the esports, which I know Campy doesn't like. That was all like, Campy yeah, loves yeah, it. That's that's cool. That's cool. But he's actually showing it now. And I said you sent you both a message uh, a little bit earlier in the uh, in the week saying, I reckon he's actually got a chance for Mercedes if Mercedes remain the dominant team for the next ten years, and uh, yeah, unless McLaren, of course, become the dominant team, and that would be fantastic. Uh, he is really proving himself to be a very strong driver without having any ties to any, like any junior feeder program, mm. which is really interesting. Yeah, I think big thing for Lando this year is. What we've talked about is that like second year driver getting better at the engineering side, the setting up the car side of things, like learning more about how to set it up. Things that Lewis got really good at in his like second couple of years, like Max got really good at, Danny got really good at. This is where the drivers kind of learn their cars, learn their setups and get to learn and work with their engineers much better and just eke those tenths, hundreds of seconds out of laps which he wasn't able to do last year as just such a young, young, young rookie. He was one of the youngest by far, Mm. but very impressive this year. He's off to a great start. And he's got some good banter already with Danny Rick. Like they're both, (laughs) I don't know if you saw that that interview with Jensen Button where (laughs) Orlando hit Danny Rick's hat off of his head and Jensen said, should I get that for you? And then Danny Rick's like, no, don't, because then he'll win. I just was like, that's already, I love that that's already a thing. Yeah, what, about, what about what about that one you sent me, Jim? Danny Rick put something on Instagram, I don't know. And then Lando's comment was, about time you put a lap together, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So good. Like that. It's that's, so healthy, that's good, healthy banter. Very that's all you want to see more of. And that, yeah, correct. And that's kind of what we saw with Max and Danny Rick, but like in the very early stages of Max being there, there was a lot of banter and a lot of laughing. And I know the Red Bull, the way that they create content and that whole pool is all about a lot of laughter. But uh, we haven't seen that a lot from Danny Rick recently, obviously being in Renault. But I reckon, you know, gelling those two guys together uh, will do wonders for McLaren. Carlos Sainz, though, I mean, he's 
he is a good driver, and he definitely was the most improved last year. He's not going to be the most improved this year already. We can tell that. Uh, he's got to be really questioning. I mean, the fact that the Ferrari uh, was right in front of him for most of the race and not at the very front of the grid, I still reckon he's questioning his decision to to leave a team that is is becoming stronger and stronger each weekend. All right. What are the upsides of going to Ferrari? Not at the moment. I'm just saying in general. Generally, yep. you get a better company car than what you got. But that's debatable <laughs> at this one too. I don't know. I reckon, exactly. I reckon I reckon the McLaren's better. Yep, that's yeah. debatable. Uh, at the moment, there is zero upside of going on Ferrari, and his confidence must be shattered at the moment. He's getting mm. his, his teammates getting the better of him. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors in McLaren, but I don't think they're the sort of team under Zach Brown's leadership to, or Andrea Seidel to, to shaft Carlos. I just think Lando's improved so much from last year yep. that he can't keep up. Um, yep. His confidence is probably shot, and he's got this cloud hanging over him knowing he's going to Ferrari next year. The weight mm, of the world on. is on his shoulders. Um and the car's rubbish, and they're not going to be better next year. They're looking at 2022. So he's sitting there going, well, I've got another 18 months in a pretty below-par average car that's not going to get me wins. You know, I'd be frustrated as well. At least the carrot there for McLaren next year is that oh, I've got a Merck engine and we should jump up the field. We should generally be competing with Red Bull next year. So tough for Carlos, but he's he's made his own bed, so he's going to have to sleep in it, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. And I, I was thinking about this earlier. If you think about uh, people like Vettel now and Alonso before and Massa before and Barrichello before, there is a long line of people at Ferrari that get burnt out and shoved to the side and the Tifosi and everyone else lose all the love in the world for them and it's a really horrible place to be, whereas no other team really does that. Like I know Danny Rick had some issues with Red Bull and the culture there, but really like in the grand scheme of things, probably nowhere near as bad as – what was what's going on with Ferrari? But look, all you know, best of luck to him because uh, it's freeing up a seat for Danny Rick. So I'm happy about that. Uh, let's talk about Danny Rick and Renault. Uh, Esteban Ooh. Ocon is so bloody useless. Can we just put this kid in the bin already? Seriously, Ocon, mate. Like who? Who? Seriously, I've said this before, and I've said it a million times. Who in a, who on earth does the strategy at Renault? Yeah, seriously. No, who clearly on? nobody. Look, I think I they just roll a dice. I, I thought, <laughs> yes. as we said, it was unadvantage, uh, disadvantaged qualifying in the top 10 this weekend with the midfield. So that's already one chink in Danny Rick's armour for the race. I think they should have gone yep. the one-stop. We saw Leclerc do the one-stop. Now, Danny's Rick pace against the um, in the first stint against the racing point, he was within four or five seconds once he dropped off the back, and it was pretty consistent to there. They did the first stop, and he came out behind Kvyat and Ocon, and he was about six Worst seconds place. behind them and caught up yep. pretty quickly. That second stop they did put him right behind Ocon and Kvyat again when they could have left him out for another five laps to try and gap it. And unfortunately, he got stuck behind an Ocon, Kvyat himself and then Sainz was behind him and it was a DRS train which means no one can get in front of anyone and it compromised his whole race why on earth was Danny Rick even behind Kvyat and Ocon in the first place absolute stupid like I can understand it the first time but the second time to come out right behind them utter utter shambles of an organisation right there and for Danny Rick it just kept getting worse and worse and worse 
even if you go with that, why did they go medium, medium, hard? What If they had have gone hard, at least oh. he could have outlasted all of those guys that were pitting ahead of him. He was stuck behind that train. If he at least had hards on at that point, he could have gone way longer, but he had to pit again again and get stuck behind the same traffic. It just made zero sense whatsoever. And he did spin out because he got on the gas too early. But I don't think that's – the only reason he's trying to do that is because he's under pressure from signs who's on – you know, who's coming up the rear so fast behind this DRS train because he's got three cars in front fighting Mm. each other. And yeah. it's like he should never be in that position anyway. For that guy to no. qualify where he did and the pace that he had oh. all weekend, for that car to perform the way it did in the race, yeah, were two different cars overnight. He Absolute. outdrove that car in qualifying like a maniac. I'm Unbelievable. Just, he, what did he do? He did a 126.6 in qualifying and Ocon did a 127.2. So... Yeah. That's eight tenths off your teammate in qualifying. But it's Ocon dirty. then got to start on his choice of tyre in 11th. And which... that ultim- ultimately helped. But Danny Rick yeah. still should have done a one-stop, and I said it all weekend. You did. All weekend. You did. If his you need first... race strategy, you know which website to come to. <laughs> Campy will help out. Because oh, apparently he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it's just uh, this was the most frustrating race for me. It was everything that I wanted to happen and everything that I thought was going to happen didn't happen and everything everything shit hit the wall, basically. You were proven right, though. (laughs) Everything you said that should have happened was proven right by seeing Leclerc go so well, by Max going so well. All those kind of things that you predicted happening just happened to the wrong people. It was frustrating. Yeah. And Danny... Danny Rick came out afterwards and said it just once it got worse, it just got consistently worse and worse and worse. And Ocon, the stupid prick, afterwards he's like, oh, it, was, it was great that I outperformed my teammate this weekend. And I'm like, what you didn't. planet you are didn't. you living on, mate? You what? did not was zero outperforming. Yeah. And you know what? If you look at Danny Rick's spin again, I reckon he got a little bit scared the fact that uh, maybe scared's the wrong word, but signs just appeared on his left hand side and he was trying to give him some more space. Yeah, because that that angle and just how everything happened at the time, signs was just sort of like you know off sneaking the track basically and sneaking on in. And Danny Rick probably trying to be the gentleman and leave him some room, like Kimmy did to Alex Albon. Uh, it did it unfortunately went around. Let's talk about Alex Albon because uh, you're right that you said earlier on in the uh, podcast, Campy, that uh, he hasn't been performing well. He did have some good moves around Cobbs though. Uh, he kept yeah, finding yeah, that was did. the uh, the favourite spot for, to go around. But you would but have some good moves if you dropped back so far. Well, like, also, and you're driving what was the winning car of exactly. the day. Yeah. Man. Yeah. You can only do good moves like that if you drop back as far as you did or qualify as poorly as you did. So... To be honest, the best drivers don't need to overtake anyone because they bloody put it on pole and they just stay there. Like, he is nowhere near that. That car is so much better. He should have been qualifying that above Danny Rick, let's be honest, and pathetic, really. So, some cool moves and all, but, geez, that's that's like me going and playing in an under-11s basketball game and dunking on some kids. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's what you do, isn't it? That's why you're saying you're so good at basketball. But yeah, I, it's sort of like for Alex Albon, though, last year, you and I specifically, Tommy, Campy didn't yeah. really care one way or the other. Uh, we really wanted Albon to do really well, didn't we? We were sort of really wishing yep. him along. And I think the, the entire F1 community still wants him to do really well. 
but we just keep seeing this happen time after time, these issues, this poor performance in qualifying. You know, there's an excuse here, an excuse there. And yes, he comes out and says, oh, well, it's a bit harsh comments for this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Christian Horner comes out and defends him. It's like, this shouldn't really be happening. You know, there's so many wonderful things about this car. And you are a great driver. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there to begin with. Just needs to find that formula. And, you know, I think Jensen Button said it well enough. He just needs to remove anything to do with timing screens or what his teammate is doing mm. uh, and just focus on driving the car and try and shed some of that pressure. Because every time he comes back into the garage at the moment looking at the timing screen, he'll always see how far behind Max Verstappen he is, and that will be soul yep. destroying. Uh, but, Tommy, Max Verstappen is an absolute superstar. Oh. I was so happy. Pretty much all my messages to you guys last night was just Max exclamation marks. Yes. It's me I going, love Max. Max Leclerc, is the best. Leclerc crash. Please crash. Please crash. Please crash. Please go on, you know, catch on fire or something. And then you're going, how good is Max? How good is Max? How good is Max? Just and then firstly, the comments of- to Danny Rick Pitt. Because <laughs> oh, I, miss, yeah, I missed it. Yeah. But Max is stepping. Superstar. Max is stepping. Him His team came over the radio and said, your tyres are heating up, mate. You should back it off a bit. He's like, oh, absolutely not. He <laughs> goes, this is the first chance I've had to pressure these guys. I'm not sitting Love like them and driving like a grandma behind them. Uh, yeah, oh. that was that so car, great. That car came alive. That and car you know came what? Props alive. to the team for going, you know what? Fine. Because, yep. because they did that, it meant that he won that race. And that yep. was a real – getting in front of Hulkenberg – and look, Nico's start wasn't great, and I didn't think it would be because after not having the experience from last weekend and certainly uh, not for a couple of uh, months being in a car and a different setup and everything else, like his start was good but it wasn't great. Max's start was like, see you later, I'm gone. Oh. And because he got managed to get past Nico, he just stayed there and then it was like goodbye in the gap On just the hards too. Increased. That's yeah. the thing. It's it's like, a, yeah. And if you looked at the onboards compared to the Mercedes, his tyres looked mint the entire time pretty much. Yeah. He had no issues whatsoever. I just – big props to Max. He had an unbelievable race. He – they took a risky strategy by trying to qualify the hards when no one else would, but it paid off. And at every point, they seemed to have an answer for whatever Mercedes were going to try and throw at them. Considering he was only by himself, like so – He's fighting two Mercedes at all times who have got the two best cars. He doesn't have a teammate to back him up. He has to do everything by himself, which I know it's an individual sport, but really a teammate really helps in those situations. So, man, the guy's an absolute star, and I don't know how he could have done better. That was a perfect race. Campy, what do you reckon? Because the, the Max Max 33 tattoo that you've got tattooed next to the <laughs> Texas tattoo uh, coming to coming to life now. Um, oh. He was he was doing everything right, wasn't he? Thank God for Max Verstappen. Otherwise, we would have oh. seen a two horse race up the front. So it's yeah. good to see that finally Red Bull have have figured out the car a bit yep. um, to where we thought they would be. Uh, but I think Mercedes threw it away this weekend. I. Look, they Mercedes race this car on the absolute limit, and that's what they do. You know, they're always on a fine line. Everything to do with fuel, tyres, um, how much downforce the car's running, how much we need to cool it down and keep the load off the tyres. I think ultimately, if they had a, taken a few things off that car, a few of the barge boards, um, 
and just run a little bit of less downforce on the tyres in the heat. It might have cost them three to five tenths a lap on their raw speed, but it ultimately would have run them the, won them the race. But yeah. because this yeah. organisation just runs this car on its absolute limit all the time, and when I say limit, I'm talking about the, aero, the aerodynamics, the cooling yep. capabilities. They figure out yep. how hot it's going to be, how much, you know, if they need to keep the car cooler, um, you know, if it's a really hot day, they'll they'll take some things off the car to cool it down in order to get it through the race, which ultimately hinders them. Uh, but I don't think they did enough of that this weekend because I think this car's way quicker than than what it was. I think they had too much. Uh, I think they had too much downforce on the car, which ultimately hurt the tyres long run. Um, but again, I, I questioned Mercedes' strategy as well. I, I mean, they threw Valtteri Bottas under oh, the bus, like you wouldn't bloke. believe. Now, bloke. now the guy, the guy from this week to last week, found four tenths in qualifying, you know, and beat Hamilton, Incredible. which is hard to do at Silverstone. Yeah, huge. We know yeah. Lewis's, we know Lewis's record around this track, and it is. Unbelievable. Now, for Bottas to get the start, control the pace, and really control the race until, you know, the the first round of pit stops that they had and and um, Max Verstappen got in front of him. I, I think Mercedes shafted him by by trying to... Um, by trying to let him win the race against Max. I think they should have had the foresight to understand that by then the car wasn't capable of winning the race and they just needed to shore him up in the positions. But for Lewis to pit when he did and then come back on lightning quick and overtake Bottas, I just felt really sorry for the guy. And, you know, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this moment to, tell you what I really think of Lewis Hamilton. That guy, <laughs> Here we go. You, no, no, that guy, no, I'm serious. That guy comes out and he says, I just want to be humble. I'm in this position, right? I'll tell you what humility is, mate. After qualifying, when he didn't do a good enough job, the the guy came out, he was short. I get that he was frustrated that, you know, these are top line athletes and he didn't perform the way he wanted to perform, but he was short. He didn't thank any of the team, which he's normally so quick to do. He yep. was critical of himself. He was critical of the car. He was critical of strategy. He's absolutely critical of everyone because he didn't get polled by six, you know, six one, uh, 60 one hundredths of a second. You see the difference in Valtteri after he comes out after a, a race loss like that, and he still thanks the team, still does all the right things. Yeah. Now, yeah, for me, Hamilton, that's why people don't like you, mate. That's why people think you're a dickhead off the track. We're super congratulatory of you on track. You drive like a god a lot of the time, but you got to yeah. sort your attitude, mate, out. Because then he got yeah. out of the car and he was so happy that his team had, you know, shafted his teammate so that he could get the win. And I, I don't like it, and that's why people don't like him. So in my book, you're done, mate. Uh, you'll get your yeah. you'll get your world championship this year. You'll get the record. You'll equal Schumacher. You'll get the all-time wins. You'll have more pole positions and podiums, all that. But you're tainted because no one likes you. So moving on. Well, I just didn't like. First thing he did was question that Red Bull were cheating with the tire pressures, just because Mercedes couldn't oh, figure out how to make their tires yeah. work. I was, was not to there point for fingers that. and go, "Well, are they using the right tire pressure? Are they doing this? Yeah. Are they doing that?" Like instead of just somebody could beat you. You're not undefeatable. But first thing was to throw throw mud at others, and I don't know. It just. Yeah, I'm with you there, Camby. It's didn't sit it's well, an odd one. and a lot of people yeah. on Twitter were saying the same thing. It was just it, 
just disappointing when he is, you know, he has done so well over these so many years and he still acts like a child when it doesn't go his way. And, and Campy, you, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, Valtteri Bottas is a gentleman and it should be oh. said that everyone goes, you know, he's the number two, blah, blah, blah. Well, he is bloody quick. Yes, he's in a quick car, but I tell you what he's not number two at, actually fronting up and being a really good human being to the people on the other mm. side of the cameras as well. Like Paul DeResta, think what you want of him, but he f- is sort of like, uh, like so, they had to so go real. and get Nico because, like, there was not that much time between him, uh, Lewis, hopping out of the car, coming up to him, and then going away again. Anyway, just yeah. it was just not on. Yeah. It was just not on. Uh, what else is not on, boys, is the fact that we are getting absolutely smashed in the Oz F1 Fantasy League. Oh, no. <laughs> <Lucky> <laughs> um, this race uh, was not too bad for me, I will, uh, I'll say. Uh, however, it was pretty horrible for both of you, boys. Um, oh, man, I'm going to right. shout out to our, our top three, the, the leaderboard at the moment. Uh, if you're interested in joining the Fantasy League, all the details will be in the description below of wherever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we've got 55 teams at the moment, which is great, uh, and people from all over the world who have joined. Uh, but our first place at the moment is Mr. R. Mock. Moxley with three-pointed stars as the name. Uh, Dave Munnis, his tracing flu is in second. And uh, uh, S. Schill from Santiago, Santiago Team 1, number three there. Uh, some honourable mentions, though, for name changes. And uh, <laughs> I know that you guys are hearing me on this because every week I log on to here and I see some bloody fantastic ones. Campy, you picked out one which is your favourite. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a... Tits and Haas Man's pretty good. <laughs> uh, your other favourite that you sent through to the week by Mr. M. Smith was LNP in brackets Lando Norris Party, hashtag Campy for President, uh, so, yes. which is actually really great. If you're, that's approved. Uh, that, that's approved. Uh, we've also got Green Eggs and Hamilton. Uh, I like that, even though we're not uh, big fans of him right now. That's a really, really great name as well. And... Uh, well, I'm just trying to find where you are, and Gunther, Tommy. Gunther Einsteiner. <laughs> Good Einsteiner. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I've also changed the name of my team. You'll see it if you uh, log in to the Fantasy League. Uh, oh, Tommy, you're just not doing well, are you? <laughs> that's, that's, the, uh, that's the overarching uh, theme of you here. Camp, you're in 28th, which is uh, not Still. too bad, and I'm in 11th. Uh, so the good right. news is I'm getting further away from you. Um, Tommy's got two teams. Uh, his other team that he doesn't, he can't remember the password to, is thirty fifth, which is well done. And his team that he does have access to is forty fourth. So Tommy T, uh, unfortunately, I don't think you're in for some free merch at the end of the year, even though you're going to design it for us anyway. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, I'd like to give a couple of shout-outs this week to a couple of wonderful people. Firstly, to some fantastic people who have left us reviews on Apple Podcasts, some five-star reviews. TNT410 from Australia says, Hilarious, this is how F1 Podcasts should be. You guys make me laugh. Well, thank you very much. We love doing this. From Berm5327 in Australia, the best F1 podcast, five stars, they say. And also from Spinella, love that, love that reference. Uh, 
from the US, uh, my favourite race review. I listened every Monday from America, my favourite F1 podcast, especially for a Ricardo fan. Thank you so much for your feedback. We bloody love it. We love doing what we're doing as well. I also want to say g'day to Flo from Corsica. A uh, big shout out to you and you know why. Uh, and for anyone who's been interacting with us on socials and uh, you'll find me specifically on Twitter going absolutely nuts on a race weekend as well. So if you want a bit of a laugh or you want to see me get absolutely schooled by the Racing Points Twitter team, then feel free to follow me on there. All of those details will be below in the description. It's been an absolute pleasure doing this as always with you boys. Uh, thank you to you. Thank you to you for listening. Music in this episode is by Entente Music and we're massively grateful for all the work they've done in the last couple of weeks with new stings and new music as well. You can find them and all of the work that they do, including bands like Big Creature, in our description below. But for boys, for now, it is a goodbye from me and we'll see you in a week's time at Barcelona. Campy calls it. All right. Campy calls it. Campy calls it. Lawrence Stroll, mate, shut up and pay the bills. <laughs> it's not even that big of a bill. Mate, you've come in there fine, loads of money, big dick swinging around, just pay your bills. It's not for you to go and talk about if your team's cheating or not. You wouldn't have a clue, mate. You sign a check. Sports Social Podcast Network.